Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Second Chronicles. Um, if you've got your Bible, if not, it's going to come up on the screen. And uh, let's look at this in Second Chronicles 12, verse 1. Um, once you've got it, uh, say, I've got it. If you haven't, say, just wait. Okay, no one's going to be honest this morning. That's all right. Here we go. 12, verse 1. Second Chronicles 12 verse 1. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself and he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. And it happened in a fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. With 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen and people without number who came, up with, uh, came with him out of of Egypt, the Lubim and the Sukim and the Ethiopians, and he took the fortified cities of Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. Now, when the Lord saw that they'd humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, they have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they will be his servants that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out. Then they would take them back into the guard room. When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as not to destroy him completely. And things also went well in Judah. Verse 13, thus King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was 41 years old when he came king and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nehemiah. And Ammonitus, and he did evil. Verse 14, he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. This story is an awesome story. It, 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 there's so much in this that I think we can take out and I really felt this for us for today as a church. But I want to look at this story and just take out a few things in this. And I pray that it's really going to speak to you. If you're not familiar with church or maybe you came along to see a family member um, you know, get, get uh, dedicated this morning. And uh, we want you to feel welcome. And, and uh, I really pray that maybe you, you're not what we would call a believer or a Christian or whatever it might be. That's okay. You don't need to feel out of place here. We're not a church that you have to be a Christian to attend here. Uh, we're a church that we want everyone to feel welcome, no matter where you're at in your walk with God. But I do believe that God's going to show you something. And I would encourage you, if you open your heart and say, God, speak to me, I believe that God will show you something out of this story that will hopefully help you um, in your walk and, and with what God has called you to do. But the first thing in this story I want us to look at is this guy Rehoboam. This, this, this guy, he was the 
the grandson of David. And in this story, what it says is it begins by saying that Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, meaning to say Rehoboam was in a good place. He was in a good place of who he was. He was in a good place of what he had established. And as we just read in the story, what happens in this story, he's in a good place. And then he comes under attack and, and, and the king of Egypt at the time, Shishak, comes and they attack them. And, and basically what God does is through the prophet, Shemaiah comes to Rehoboam and basically gives him a prophecy as to why this is going on. And it says, because you're under attack because you've forsaken the law and you've forsaken God and the interpretation for forsook is you've departed from. And so when he hears this, the Bible says that he humbled himself and his men, they humbled themselves and they say, God is righteous. And through that simple act of humility, um, God sees that and God says, okay, I'm going to grant you some deliverance. Notice it doesn't say that he gives them complete deliverance, just some deliverance, because the level of humility that they came to was just, he, he basically, what happened is he, got, he humbled himself enough to get out of trouble. And he gets out of trouble and he, and he gets some deliverance. But what happens is they don't get complete victory. Because in this story, what the, the, what the king does is the king of Egypt, Shishak, breaks into the temple and he steals from the temple the shields of Solomon. And if you know the story of, of Solomon, Solomon was a man who was known for his wisdom and known for his wealth. His wealth was really a de- an example or, or, or personified the victory of, of God and the glory of God. That's what Solomon's temple was about. That's what his treasures were about. And this, these shields were a representation of the glory of God and the riches of God. The Bible says that there were 500 shields. There were 200 solid gold large shields and 300 smaller shields. And what happens in the story is these shields get stolen from Shishak and he takes off with the shields. So Rehoboam, instead of chasing down the the gold shields, what he does is he goes and he gets replacement shields made of brass. They're not the same quality. They're not the same in value. They're a replica. And he gets these brass shields and he says to the captains of the guard, every time I come in and every time I walk in, I want you to go and get the brass shields that they had hidden out the back where no one could see. And I want you to bring them out because if they're shined up and if they're polished up enough, they'll look like gold to everyone else. And it'll look like we never came under attack. It'll look like nothing ever happened. It'll look like we're still in control. So bring the brass ones out and and, and let everyone see the brass ones. And then once I've walked through, once the parades happen, put the brass ones back and no one will ever know. And the Bible says at the end, it says that God's hand, it says because He did humble that God allowed no wrath, no further wrath to come on them. But in verse 14, it says, and He did evil because He did not prepare His heart to seek the Lord. And what I want to talk about is I want to talk about this story and unwrap a few things in this story. The first thing that jumps out to me at this story is the beginning of the story. It says, as I mentioned, that he established the kingdom and had strengthened himself. Rehoboam was in a place of victory. 
at the time. He was in a place of strength. He had established the kingdom and the Bible said he had strengthened himself. And this speaks to me of the importance of us when we are in a good place to continually remember that we've got to cover ourselves and, and, and pray that God would protect us and guard us even in the good times. Often in church, we talk a lot about the difficult times. We talk a lot about the challenging times and getting before God in the hard times and getting before God in the difficult, challenging times. But what I want to talk to you firstly this morning from this story is the importance of guarding the good times in your life. The times when you are blessed, the times when you're prospering, the times when the marriage is good and business is going good and the family is good. Because you've got to understand that the enemy's plan in John 10.10 is to kill, steal and destroy. The enemy doesn't back off when you're going well. The enemy doesn't pull back, even though you may feel like things are good. Don't get so caught up in the blessing that you forget about keeping a guard up. Don't get so caught up in the favour that you forget, you know, even though I'm favoured, I still need to be someone who's praying every day. Even though I'm blessed, I still need to be someone that is seeking God every day and in my Word every day. It says that in the fifth year, the number five in the Bible represents the grace of God, the goodness of God, God's favour. When you're in the middle of His grace, when His hand is upon you, when you're in the middle of a favoured time, in the middle of a blessed time, I want to encourage you, church, enjoy those times, but don't let your guard down. Don't, don't let your guard down. Don't get, don't get so caught up in the blessing that you forget about where the blessing came from. Don't get so caught up in, in how great the business is going that you forget to, to make sure you keep coming to church every Sunday. So many times we, we focus on the difficult times. We talk about the tough times, but what I've found is more often than not, even in my own life, I've found that sometimes it'll be where the enemy will just get you out of the blue when you've dropped your guard because life got easy. Life got good. You get on the other side of the battle, you get a victory, you're doing good and you just kick back to just relax a bit. And then all of a sudden the enemy will come at you from nowhere. What it says in this story, it says that he had strengthened Himself, he'd strengthen himself. See, we know the saying that says the pride comes before a fall. We cannot get we cannot get so caught up in the strength that we're walking in, and our own ability to strengthen ourselves that we get so full of pride that we pull away from the one who really we depend on. Yeah. The one who really we need to lean on. That, that, that this was happening in this story. He got, he got full of pride and he forgot. He, he forgot about the importance of leaning on Him. Why do we so often wait for everything to fall apart before we start to fast? 
What do we wait for? Things to get bad before we get up early and get on our knees before God and seek His face. Why do we wait for the business to fall apart before we start speaking the Word of God and speaking the Word of victory over your business? If you wanna go from strength to strength, you need to be someone that not wait for the bad times before you get on your face before God, but you got someone that's got enough sense to realise that He is my strength in the good times. He's my strength in the bad times. He's my strength all the time. So when I'm blessed, I'm going to praise Him. When I'm blessed, I'm going to worship Him. When I'm blessed and favoured, I'm going to get on my knees in prayer and seek His face. In Proverbs eleven twelve, it said, When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Deuteronomy 6 verse 10, look at this. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hone out wells which you did not dig, Vineyards and olive, olive, olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, verse 12, then beware, lest you forget the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. As we pray, and, and one of the things that we do every Thursday morning, uh, we get together the business people in our church and those that are in the workplace, business owners or employees. And we come out at 6.30 to 7.30 and we pray over businesses. And we're seeing God do miraculous things. I'm telling you, we've got testimonies coming. Someone sent me a testimony this week. Powerful things that God is doing. Someone told me that they, their whole family comes out Thursday morning, their kids, parents, everything, because their kid has started a clothing brand, a T-shirt company, and she's coming out. She's a teenager and she's coming out at 6.30 in the morning to pray over her business. But in everything that we do and everything that we pray, one of the things that we pray every Thursday and we pray and we declare victory and we declare blessing and we declare press down, shaken together, running over. But you know, one thing that we pray every single week is God, keep our heart right. Keep us Keep us in a place of humility. Don't let me, don't let me get blessed so much that I start to convince myself that I got here on my own. Don't let me have so much favour and don't let me have so much prosperity that I get so crazy that I think that it was anything about me that got me here. Keep me in a humble place of completely surrendering my heart to you each and every day. Guarding yourself. And we're seeing God, we're seeing God do awesome things in, in, in businesses. You remember last, was it two weeks ago we prayed, it was here on a Sunday. I think it was this service and we prayed for jobs. Remember we prayed for jobs and said people are going to turn around in seven days. I had a lady come up to me that said she was unemployed through a series of different events, through some sickness and then a family situation. She was unemployed for seven years unemployed for seven years. We prayed for it on Sunday. She got a job on Tuesday. Seven years. I want to tell you, God is doing some powerful, powerful things. We had another lady that comes out every, every Thursday morning. She comes out to pray. She started her own business. She's been praying. She has had one client, one 
One client starting her business. The moment she starts to pray, she gave us a testimony since when we've been praying, must be over a little bit over a month now. She has 30 clients since she started coming to the, to the Thursday morning prayer to pray for her business. And I want to tell you, God is doing awesome things and God is blessing us. And listen, what we're doing as a church and stay tuned for the construction things. Everything is running well and that it's all of the underground work that's getting done at the moment with permits and things like that. But as we, as we continue to grow and get stronger... As, as the church grows, I mean, we are, we are packing out services. We, I mean, I, I don't know how many services you can do on a Sunday, but I think we're pushing the limits. But what I want to say is that everything that we're doing and, and that God is doing and, and what He's setting up for us and the victories we're having, let's not get so great at what we're doing that we forget about the one we're doing it for. Let's not get so caught up in the victory and caught up in the blessing and caught up in the favour that we forget about staying in that place of humility before God. The enemy came on the fifth year. And he came under attack. And what happens is in this story, when he comes under attack, it says that they humbled themselves. They, they came before God. He humbled himself, but he didn't get, he, there was no brokenness. Basically what he did was he humbled himself enough to get out of trouble. He came before God enough. And the Bible says that the Lord said to them, I will grant them, it says, some deliverance. See, the level to which he humbled himself was the level to the, of, of the freedom he walked in. He humbled himself enough to just get out of trouble. And that began to speak to me too often. We can find ourselves, I don't know about you, but we, we, we can often do that. We get in a bad situation and then we get desperate for God to move just enough to get me out of the situation. But then we just go back to how we were before. It's remaining in that place. It's remaining, it's remaining in, that, in that place in your heart where it says in verse 14 that, that He did not prepare His heart to seek the Lord. It's not just about humbling ourselves enough to get out of trouble. It's about seeking His face so we can walk in victory. It's a greater level that God wants, a greater level of revelation God wants us to walk in. And what it says is, as you go further down the story, He says, God actually says in, in, verse, in verse 8, it says, Nevertheless, this will be, they will be his servants. Speaking of Rehoboam, coming under Shishak, Egypt, coming under the world. He says, They will be his servants that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nation. What he said here is basically God said, Listen, come under that king. Come under Egypt. If you, wanna, if you don't want to completely be broken and abide by, by my rules and abide by my law, because it says he had departed from the law. It was basically, it had gotten too hard. It got too hard for him to, to live it right. It got too hard for him to be obedient to God. It got too hard for him to be under the law. So God said to him, you know what? If it's too hard, then come under the world and let's see how it goes for you. 
He says, basically, if you don't, if, if it's too hard here, if it's too hard living, right? If it's too hard being obedient, then, then, then come under, come under Egypt and see how it goes for me. Distinguish which is better. Is it better living for God or is it better living for the world? Go into the world. Try it. Do your thing. Get crazy and we'll see how that works out for you. I love how secure God is in this. I love the fact that God says, you know what, if you're going to play and you're going to be in this middle ground, you know what, you just go and do your thing. That's like what He says in Revelation where He says, it's better if you either be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. But we forget, don't we? We forget of the, the consequences. How many people forget the consequences of sin? What the enemy does is the enemy convinces you that what you're about to do doesn't matter. Convinces you that there's no, there's no consequences attached to it. We've we got to understand, what, what, we've got to get a, a new understanding, a new revelation of what, what do we want to live for? What do we want to stand under? People say, well, it's too hard being right. It's too hard living right. It's too, we'll run into the world and see what it's like. The consequences of sin. You have those, you know, those, um, the side effects, the side effects of sin. You know those ads, you ever watch those ads on TV? Where they, they, they don't have them in Australia, they have them here in America. And it makes me laugh. I said to my wife the other day, like, this is crazy. You have those ads where like a dude has like indigestion or something? You know what I mean? And he's always like a big grey looking and down and there's like a little, you know, there's like flames in the pit, you know, like it's like, oh, indigestion and flames and it's like, you know, and life's bad. And then he takes the indigestion pill and then like the flames go and then he's like in a park and he's with his dog and it's a sunny day. You know what I mean? It's like no more indigestion, life's good. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like bad, but then you take the pill and then it's good. But then the last 20 seconds of the commercial, you know what I'm talking about? It's an indigestion pill for feeling uncomfortable after you eat on your chest. But then it says the side effects will be low blood pressure, swelling of the ankles, rash, dizziness, difficulty swallowing, difficulty sleeping, blurred vision, diabetes, depression, Suicidal thoughts, slight limp to the right, kidney infection, constant headaches, hair falling out, eyelashes falling out, one eyebrow. And you stand there thinking, bro, it's a flipping heartburn pill. And you look in there thinking, what? Like, you know what? I look at that. I said to my wife, I would rather have the heartburn. I couldn't believe it. I was shaving the other week and I, the TV was in the other room and I stopped. And I'm like, did they just say suicidal thoughts? My God, like how bad is your heartburn, bro? It's like, forget it. This heartburn's killing me. I would rather think about killing myself than battle the heartburn. It's like, dude, are you for real? You look at it. We, that's how the enemy works though, isn't it? The side effects of sin. People think, well, I'm just going to do that. Do you realise the consequences that when you come under the world and the spirit of the world and you go into the world, do you realise that the consequences of that sin, it's not worth it. It's not worth making that decision. It's not worth running into the world. There are side effects for that sin. 
The enemy has a plan. It's to kill, steal and to destroy. He's not playing games. He's not just messing around. He's not just, listen, there is a plan to lure you in. And I want to tell you, you will pay a price. This is what God says to them. He says to them, you know what? If you're going to do it, go and do it. See how it works out for you. I want to tell you, it's not worth paying the price. Even though it may be difficult at times to live right, even though it may be difficult at times to do right by the Word of God, stepping outside of that covering is not worth the price. Even though it may be difficult to to keep your heart right and guard your heart, it's not worth it to live in bitterness. Even though it may be difficult to keep your marriage right and, and remain faithful at times, it's not worth it to, leave, to, to walk through the, the, the battle and the, and the journey of, of infidelity. You've you got to make a decision. What do you want to do? What do you want to live for? What do you want to stand for? He says, if you're going to do it, go into the world and do it. See how it works out for you. And then as we look through this story and we're going to close it in, in a couple of minutes now. But real quickly, in this story, what happens is, is he, as I said, the, the shields, he takes the shield and the shields represented God's glory. The shields represented the victory. The shields represented the strength. That's what Solomon's treasure was. It was a sign to the people. As I said, it was 500 shields. It says the first each, each shield, the large shields were worth equivalent to 84,000 US dollars each. The smaller shields, 21,000 US dollars each. It's 500 shields. Do the maths in your head, but you're talking multiple millions of dollars worth of gold. Solid gold that was stolen. But here's what was crazy and what jumped out at me about this story. Is the fact that Rehoboam never went after what was stolen. He only went and tried to create a cheap replica for the sake of keeping up appearances. He never chased down the enemy to get back what the enemy had taken. He settled in it and said, you know what? It's okay. It was a gold, golden shields that were taken. Solid gold, the Bible says, that these, these were made of. They were a sign of victory. They were a sign of strength. They were a sign of the glory and the goodness of God. And it would hang on the wall so that everybody could see it and be reminded that God's hand was upon them. And this was taken. The enemy took it. Well, you just heard how valuable it was. Just the monetary value alone let alone the significance of it for the people. But Rehoboam didn't have the strength, didn't have the fight, didn't have the warrior spirit to actually run the enemy down and take back the gold. Instead of, instead of taking back the gold, what he decided he would do is, I'm just gonna get brass ones. I'm gonna get a cheaper version of it just so it looks like we're strong. Let's, in essence, what he's saying is, let's not worry about what the enemy has taken. Let's not go after it and take it back. Let's just pretend. Yeah. 
Let's, let's put up a front. Let's pretend because what we can do is he figured out that if he gets brass and if he polishes up it, it up enough and makes it look nice on the outside, then no one will really know what's going on behind closed doors. If we can make it, if we can make it shiny enough and make it look, make it look like we're, we're in victory, then that'll be the same. And I felt God begin to speak to me about too often how we live our lives as Christians. Well, we get so worried and we're so focused upon how we look to everybody else that even though there has been a robbery that's taken place in your life, instead of going after the gold, some of you have made a decision to settle for the brass just because it might be able to look the same for a time. See, God is attacking my life. He's attacking my family. But as long as I can get all of them in a shirt and tie on Sunday, sitting in church, no one will know. As long as the kids are there standing, no one will know what we're battling. Rather than get on your knees before God and take the gold back, you'd rather just polish brass just so everyone thinks everything's nice. And this is where the world is. This is what breaks my heart is the world are trying so hard. We're just trying to cover it rather than get complete freedom in my mind and complete freedom that God died on the cross for me to have. I just got to make it as long as I look free, it'll be the same thing. And that's the problem because it just looks free from a distance. But what it says is the reason why they had to put them behind closed doors, the brass, was because when the, if the brass was going to be out in the open for too long, it can't handle the, 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 the weather, it can't handle being exposed to the elements, it can't handle being outside and it, the brass will get green. And then after a while, after time, it's going to start to show that while it's polished up, when you go to dig a bit deeper and, and, and the troubles of life start to set in, it's going to start to show that there's no depth there because it's not the real deal. They didn't get back what was stolen. And God began to speak to me. See, this is what I believe has happened even in some of our churches. See, it represented the gold, represented the victories of the past. It represented the victories of generations gone before. It represented the power that generations carried before. But I believe that there's been a robbing in so many Christian churches where we've watered down the church to just being a nice music performance and a pretty stage and some nice buildings, but it lacks the power. It's kind of like what it was talking about in the Bible where it says has the form of godliness but denies the power thereof. We've got to make a decision in our churches that we don't want to just have shiny brass shields, but we want to get on our knees before God and take back the gold that the enemy has taken. Take back the glory and take back the freedom and take back the miracles and take back the souls where we don't have a church that's just watered down to just present a pretty service that looks nice. But when I got a battle 
We're not, I don't want a brass shield. I don't want to come to a church that's just going to bring a brass shield. When I've got a kid laying in a hospital, when I've got a marriage that's on the brink of divorce, when I've got a healing and I need a change now, when I've got a family situation, don't bring me no rattled, polished up little brass shield. I want the real deal because you went to hell and brought back the gold the enemy has taken. It's time for you as a family. It's time for you as a marriage, it's time for you as a business to say, devil, give me my gold back. Give me my gold back. I'm not going to settle for the brass freedom anymore. There's a greater level of freedom that God has for you and it's gold. It's gold. And God spoke to me. We're going to finish. Let's finish now. Get on your feet while we're, while we're doing something. God spoke to me. I felt like God speak to me. I know we're shouting and screaming, but I felt like God speak to me about families. And we, 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 we spend how much effort, how much energy polishing brass. When I felt like God said, channel your effort and energy into getting your gold back. This is what Rehoboam, he, he lost the, I mean, this dude was... I don't know what it was, but sometimes as Christians, we forget we we got to have some fight. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, I know we're meant to be nice, but geez, sometimes as Christians need to learn how to go to war. Sometimes I'm not talking about I'm not talking about being weird and being, but I'm talking about man, we got to learn to. You got to learn to take back what the enemy has stolen. Some of you, you're too quick to lay down. And we got these Rehoboam Christians coming up in the church where we think that the Christian walk is all about just looking nice. I don't want, I don't, we, we cannot be a church that just looks nice. I want to tell you, we're going to have, we're going to have people come into our doors. I pray that they're here right now. We're going to have people from the world that come in that don't know Jesus that are carrying some stuff. I pray for it every day. God, bring them. Bring the worst of the worst. Bring them from the gutters. Bring them from hell. Bring it every. But I want to tell you when they come, they, they need to know that they're stepping into a place of strength. Because I don't want them getting closer up to a shield and realizing, hang on a second. This ain't, this looks gold from a distance. See, that's the problem. And I think where the, where the church has been so affected and has lost so much reputation in the community because as, as non-Christians get closer to the church and they rub a little bit, they realise, hang on a sec, you're not free. Why would I, why would I get, hang on a second, why would I? Look at this, you got the same perversion that's going on in your ch- I've seen this. This this looks like my unsafe friends. Look at this this the same you, you, the gossip is the same the the standards are the same there's no difference. I got stuff in my life. I don't want to come to a place that's 
battling the same stuff. I need to come to a place where there's some freedom. I need to come to a place for this where there's some strength. See, we've got to understand that if we want to walk in that, we've got to make a decision that we're not going to settle for polishing brass, but we're going to go to hell and come back with some gold that the enemy has taken. He's taken gold from your family, gold from your marriage, gold out of your children, gold out of your business. And it's time for you to man up and make a decision. I'm going to hell and I'm coming back with the gold. I'm coming back with every single one of those shields. I'm coming back with my freedom, with my victory and everything that God promised me. It's time to take some gold back. And I believe that there's families here. You're coming into Thanksgiving. You're coming into Thanksgiving and you're settling to just make it through. Some of you have even said that thought, if I can just get through Thanksgiving with no issues, no arguments, we just got to get through Thanksgiving. Listen, that's polishing brass. I dare you, I dare you to go to God and say, give me my gold back. I dare you to say, I don't just want it to get through. I want a breakthrough. I don't, I don't just, I want a miracle. I'm daring to get before God and say, God, give me every single thing the enemy has stolen. And I believe that there's people here, it's time for you to take back some gold. And this is what I wanna do. If you're here and you said, there's some gold I need to take back. I want you to get out of your seat and get down the front. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.